Consequence Podcast Network. Did you hear that? Someone out there? Constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by the Consequence Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Editor-in-Chief Michael Rothman, or should I say Michael in the tall grass Rothman. Yeah, I just went really lazy with my nickname because we are talking about Netflix's in the tall grass. And if you follow us on our socials, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, you probably already have an idea of where we stand, at least one of us stand, for this movie because we reviewed it, actually, at Fantastic Fest 2019 in Austin, Texas, which means you know who's going to be on this episode, at least one person. But I'm currently sitting here in our new studio in Chicago, Illinois, with Dan Vincenzo Flieger. Oh, interesting. Nice little nod to uh, the director of this film, Vincenzo Natale. Uh, Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. This is nice to be in the new studio space here. Got a new soundboard. Everything's, you know, daisies. It's a a nice little cool soundboard that looks a little bit like an old Game Boy from uh, the late 80s. Did you have a Game Boy growing up? No, I was a Sega guy. I was actually a Sega guy too, and I would borrow my neighbor's uh, um, Game Boy. And I loved it because I liked playing... um, Super Mario Brothers and whatever. Tetris. Anyway, we're getting off on a tangent, and we're going to take that tangent all the way down to the aforementioned Austin, Texas, where we're also talking to another Dan. You might know him as... Dan Patrick Wilson Caffrey. Oh, <laughs> how lazy we are with this. I, I know. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't think of one, an alliteration for this one, and I was actually going to do in the, Dan in the Tall Grass Caffrey, and then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll just do Dan Vincenzo Natale Caffrey, and then you both, yeah. you both took like, it, so I'm, uh, I'm Dan, P. Wilson. Dan Stephen King Caffrey. Dan <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stephen exactly. King Caffrey, which would be... I'll be uh, Michael Joe Hill Rothman then. Dan yeah. Dean Koontz <laughs> Flieger. <laughs> Dan Koontzy <laughs> Caffrey. Actually, I want to change mine to Michael Fantastic Fest Rothman. Oh, I could have done that, yeah. yeah. Dan, <laughs> Dan, Dan Alamo Drafthouse Caffrey. <laughs> if you had yeah. to create a menu for In the Tall Grass, because they didn't have a special menu for it, did they? They didn't. They had like an overall Fantastic Fest menu, which was actually pretty good and, and very affordable. Um, but but they didn't have a uh, they didn't have anything tied to individual movies or anything like that. Did they serve um, de- dead Labrador? Yeah, <laughs> Labrador log. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Labrador what, what log. Else? Would that be like a log cake? Do you think? Yeah, like yeah, like a Yule log, but it's shaped but, it's <laughs> but shaped like shaped a dog. Like- a dead, a dead Labrador retriever. Uh, again, oh God! I, I'm tempted to say corn, but they're, they're, it's not corn. It's just grass, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's like a um, 
what's the wheatgrass? Is that is that what they use it for shakes like for it, smoothies? Yeah, you could have a wheatgrass smoothie if you were in here. Maybe Patrick yeah. Wilson was eating a wheatgrass smoothie when he was in this. Uh, he in looks like with those, those muscles. It yeah. Looks like he's, yeah, he's I'm got good. a lot of wheatgrass in his career, I bet. Yeah, right? Well, he <laughs> actually is pretty buff, so I imagine he probably eats and drinks nothing but smoothies and juices uh, down in Hollywood, you know? That's what they, that's all they eat out in Hollywood. They eat juices. Yeah. Do you eat uh, do, do uh, does anyone live off of juices? I, I was thinking about juicing. Let's just all talk about diets for the yeah. next 20 I, I minutes. S- I stew in my own juices often. And oh, I was yeah. while waiting for this because it was so long from the time the short story was written to the movie premiering on Netflix. Yes, that's a good tangent. Um, and I'm glad that you're able to use the worst combination of words possible, stewing and juices, uh, because... Oof. And if Donnie Darko, they say cellar door is the most beautiful combination of words, the ugliest might be stewing and juices. Stewing and moist juices. Yeah, especially when you personalize those moist juices. Anyway, we're back with this episode of the Losers Club. And I mentioned before, yes, we are going to be talking about In the Tall Grass. Caffrey, you already saw it uh, when you, you know, at Fantastic Fest. We got a screener, so you're getting this episode. It's already on Netflix. If you haven't watched it yet, probably turn this episode off because we're going to go into a deep dive into this film uh and talk about the novella a little bit so there will be spoilers um but look we're all disparate we're you know dan you're here with me in the room but caffrey you're all the way down in austin do you think all of us could head over to the dairy public library uh yeah i think so it's it's about time i've got some overdue books anyway oh good good all right well caffrey meet us there all right see you guys there mike allen if you see excuse me sir do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do? Well, you better let the poor guy out. Yo, Mike Hanlon, said I had to go. Said I had to get cleaned up. Tell him. Tell him. Tell him I'll see him tonight. Get out. Last chance, don't you? Get out. Get out. All right, well, in this section... <laughs> That nice little fun seg because we like to make it seem like you're in a virtual world. You know, VR is so yeah. big right now, and I feel like the energy's up. It's just crackling, you know. Yeah, just, uh, it's really popping. Yeah, you know, what if we could make a VR Stephen King experience? Well, maybe in the tall grass would have been a better VR experience uh, than what we got. Uh, and if you couldn't tell my tone, I'm not really coming into this uh, very positive. But I'll, I'll leave all my criticism aside for this section because right now we're going to be talking about. Basically, the cast, or not the crew, not the cast, but the crew, and what uh, makes up the production of this film. As I mentioned before, it's directed by Vincenzo Natale. Uh, it was written by Vincenzo Natale, and uh, it features cinematography from Craig Warbelski, uh, music by Mark Corvin, uh, and stars an arsenal of um, who's who, which we'll be talking about in our next section. But first. Let's talk about Vincenzo Natale. Um, you know, he seems to be a perfect director for this story. He directed Cube, which is one of my favorite sci-fi uh, rentals back from the 90s. Yeah. Did you see Cube? Yeah, I loved Cube. I used to, it used to be on like TBS often or some channel. Yeah. Um, sci-fi channel had it for a while. It is a very good, simple concept for a movie where a bunch of strangers wake up in a series of connecting cubes. And each one has booby traps and puzzles for them to solve. Um, very low budget, but very effective. It is effective. I can't say the same thing about this one, but I could see why he would be, you know, he would gravitate to this novella. Um, now, this novella was, it's a little unorthodox for Stephen King. He kind of went back to his old days. Um, 
you know, he it was published in I believe it was Esquire, right? Um, or yeah, was it? yeah. I, I remember um, I actually had it, and for some reason I cut the pages out and stapled them together so that I could carry it to go. Forgetting, of course, that it was within a magazine that I could yeah. just carry it around on my own. I don't Could've know why I felt like I had to just, like, <laughs> prove upon God's design. Like but. you're like Ash uh, Williams from Evil Dead with like these missing pages walking around with these crumpled you know, things. Like, I-, I can't find the second act of this novella. Uh, but yeah, so it was originally published in two parts in uh, the June and July and August 2012 issues of Esquire. Now, we were all living... Uh, here in Chicago at that time, and I do remember us passing it around and reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, you actually, you know, Caffrey, you actually read this before reviewing the film again or reread it. I again. did, yeah, I, which I think was actually pretty helpful for me figuring out what my issues with the film were because I kind of couldn't pinpoint it at like something just felt a little bit off to me. We'll get into that once we actually talk about the the plot and everything. But um, yes, yeah, so I reread it. It's still available on Esquire's website. Um, I I really enjoy the novella. Um, but I think it really does. It's one of those things that really does work best as a novella. Um, yeah. But I, I think I, I enjoy the mystery of it. I feel like it's almost very minimalist and abstract. Were, were both of you pretty big fans of it, also? Yeah, I, I loved how bleak it was, you know, and I and I love the the simple design of it. You know, I'm I'm always a fan of King when he's at his most minimal. I think that you know when he can find like a hook that he could kind of run with. Uh, I always think that's uh, you know the strongest that you can get of King, and it, I mean it, for, with this one, you're right. There, there there wasn't enough. I don't think I don't think there's enough depth to this novella to flesh out. You know, unless you're really gonna go run with it a little bit, um, which you know I definitely think this movie does try to do. I think the screenplay that Natalie put together uh, does try to you know extrapolate from this novella and give it something a little bit more. Um, give give it a little bit more legs, you know, because it definitely uh, draws upon whatever lore you can draw upon this short novella. But I think it gets a little, um, no pun intended, muddy uh, with that lore. And I think that I almost think, in in a, in a sense, it would have probably been better if they would have scaled back because this is a lot like the raft which is from, um, you know, Skeleton Crew and was obviously adapted for Creepshow 2. And I, I think that this actually might have been one of a better Creepshow uh, segments that could, for Shudder, if, if looking in hindsight. but Yeah, I think this would have been better as a 30 to 40 minute like featurette yeah. versus a almost full length film. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the concept. It's very scary, the idea of infinity and things going on and on. You know, once you stumble into the grass, you, your positioning changes and you're not really sure where you are, which also is a theme of Cube. Um, spoilers for Cube, but as they kind of pan out, it's sort of a giant Rubik's Cube that the rooms keep shuffling. I believe there's some kind of alien design, and it seems like there might be some kind of alien design here and in the tall grass. Yeah, I mean, and it's something of a passion project for Natalie. I mean, I, I say passion pod project liberally because, you know, it, it goes back to as early as 2015 um, where he was trying to get this made. And I'm pretty sure once it hit big, I'm, Netflix was like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, we just did 1922. Get this out here. Let's do it. Um, so I, 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 I do agree. I think it probably would have been stronger if uh, they would have made this just an episodic thing instead. Because the problem I have with this screenplay is that it seems a little redundant. 
you know, like it just keeps doing a lot of the same things over and over again. Like how many times do we need to see Patrick Wilson, you know, run through the corn, you know, the, or not the cornfields, but run for the, through the grass again. And, um, how many times do we have to see the same cycle to, to, to prove a point of what's happening with the mechanics of it? Like, I don't really necessarily want to know the mechanics of the grass. I think it's better if you don't know, and mm-hmm. it's a little more elusive. And I feel like this movie tries a little too hard to f- pad that space by kind of showing and telling a little bit too much. I don't know. But I mean, that was kind of what you got. Like that was kind of the gist that you got from your review, Caffrey, right? Yeah. I mean, in rereading the, um, the novella, what I realized was once they pretty much once they get to where Patrick, she meets Patrick Wilson's character, who's the antagonist who in the, in the novella, you know, pretty right away that he's the antagonist. Um, in the movie, they, they, uh, disguise that a little bit more Then it's the movie is pretty accurate up until that point. And that, don't get me wrong, I totally get that you have to add things if it's based on a, a short novella. But to like what you said and what I said in my review is that all the stuff they did add was pretty much just exploring the beats and the lore and the different cycles of the grass without actually building on anything. Like, and because it, it involves repetition, um, that just got a little boring after a while. And it like to- tonally just kind of flatlined for me until the end, until we get to that third act. So it was sort of... I, I don't mind that they added things, but I, I just wish, almost wish they would have changed more or just chosen to explore different things other than, oh, we're just going to see, we're going to learn, we're going to see more about the grass and more about what happened here. I, I didn't find those grass people very scary. Um, yeah, sorry. I know I'm getting into my opinion of the film already. But no, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's you can. Cool. I mean, like, yeah. just go, yeah. go all in. I mean, we're, this is where we're really talking about the kind of like meat and potatoes of the movie without getting yeah. too much into like the cast and stuff. So, yeah. And, and, and I do want to, because I, I really enjoyed that first act a lot. I, I was like, all right, cool. Where's this going to go? And then it, yeah, just, I, I think it really is the stuff that got added. It just doesn't take the movie anywhere. It, it just goes deeper when I would have preferred to see it expand, you know, like it, it just kind of treads over what's, what's already there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I was, I mean, I, like I said, didn't hate it by any means, but um I think I think I almost want something that felt a little bit weirder and more Lynchian or something, given the yeah. nature of the short story. I know we use that that adjective so much, but I almost wonder if it could have been more of like an art house movie or something. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what's been said. Um it it's the sort of adding in these other elements and some of the backstory, you know, in the novella they're Irish twins, right? They're born within nearly a calendar year. And that kind of tells you a lot about their relationship and their closeness. And I feel like in the film, they start really getting into the kind of weird dynamic they have, but I didn't really need that to enjoy the movie. No. You know, he could have been protective of his sister without having this sort of like, I yeah, love the weird sexual thing. yeah, the sexual thing. And I also, it's, it's like the movie phone booth where the movie is good because he stays in the phone booth yes. as long as he can. Whereas in this, at a certain point they escape to this like warehouse. And I was like, wait, this Oh, the breaks. bowling alley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and that. that just sort of, to me, destroys... It's like, no, they shouldn't leave the grass. Like, no. let's just keep them there. They can get vantage points from within it, but once they went... I, I just... It kind of threw me off. I thought it would have been pretty cool if they, like, stumbled upon, like, uh, an abandoned Walmart or something. Um, and then they... Good know, luck finding one of those. And then... <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, God, America, am I right? Um, or, you know, they, they, they stumbled upon an, uh, an abandoned movie theater, and inside the movie theater are playing all Stephen King movies. The no, Lawnmower Man. <laughs> He could have rescued them. And I, that's one thing, too, that I didn't... King does have kind of an obsession with grass. Yeah. Between the lawnmower man, you could argue children of the corn, which I believe corn that we cultivate is spliced with some kind of grass. But also in the Dark Tower, when Roland and is having Pavlar with Flag, he talks about the idea of spaces yes. going to infinity and to a microscopic. And he talks about 
the edge of a drop of water on a blade of grass yeah. and how within it there's an infinity of infinities. Hey, maybe uh, Stephen King likes to smoke the grass. I was like... just going to say the same thing. I think, we, I think we know he did like to smoke a lot of grass at least at one point in his life. Yeah, um, I mean, among other things. Definitely among yeah, other I've things. tall grass, but high grass? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I did think that the inclusion of like the bowling alley and a couple other locations were, was a little cheap. You know, I mean, for a guy that was able to, you know, create tension out of like cool, sharper image esque sets that are in, you know, Cube, I thought that he could have just really leaned harder on just cultivating that atmosphere of, um, you know, feeling claustrophobic and and drawing in on it more. Like, I didn't actually feel too claustrophobic watching this movie, which is kind of a problem when that's pretty much the main tension of the novella is that the fact that you're just like in this sprawl that just like continues to just like this sprawling like grass that just keeps going and going and going. And you realize that you're in all these crazy loops, which just melts your head a little bit more. I I don't think you're wrong, Dan, to to say Lynchian because I think that it really could have gotten a little bit more um, bizarre with the, like the pastiches like that they were using in this. And instead it leaned on my, my, the worst thing that you could do is just like overt CGI, um, that just doesn't what, really what was, do anything. What for was it. with like the CGI? Like the sky looked CGI sometimes. Oh, yeah, not the it, daytime, but it, the it, night looked. It, looked it, CGI. it reminded me of Soundgarden's Black Hole Sun. <laughs> yeah, which visually, <laughs> you know, that was made what twenty five years ago, and yet that's the best we could do now. And yeah. it does. In Cube, looks very cheap at times too. So you know, it is kind of in his wheelhouse. For Vincenzo. For Vincenzo. Um, Although, did you guys see Splice? Because I think Splice's special effects are excellent. I, I do too. Really and I actually think yeah. Splice is pretty underrated. Uh, I, yeah. I think, you know, I think. Well, I know Mel likes that movie because it's a. Uh, it's got some uh, interesting uh, sexual tension Features. that's in this movie. But, oh, and that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, not to throw Mel out there, but uh, you know, maybe she. I, I believe she's talked about that movie. Either way. I think it was the right director for this. I just think that it possibly was the wrong medium unless you found, you know, a, maybe a little bit more of a creative creative uh, screenwriter to do something with it that could sustain its, like, hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, and again, like, too, like, they, they could have cut it down to 80 minutes yeah. and just never left the grass. There were a lot of shots of the church, a lot of shots of cars pulling up, and it's you know you lose that claustrophobia when you go into a wide open space. Yeah, I agree. And and looking at the what ifs of this, you know, if you recall in our podcast a couple of years ago, actually two years ago this month, Jesus, time flies. Uh, we had Thomas Jane on, and this was like one of the projects he really wanted to do. And I think that you know, no shade to Patrick Wilson, who we'll talk about in the next section. But God, if we could have had like Thomas Jane in this role, where I just think it would have been. A little had a little more heft to it. Um, Thomas Jane going like full Thomas Jane doing, yeah. doing he, he does he does great freakouts. I th- I mean he's a great actor to begin with, but uh, yeah. yeah I, in um I know there's that movie we I I like to poke fun of uh, I melt with you. Um and it, yeah. it is it, it's a bit extra, but his he he can go there, and I think he shows that in that movie. He can just go ham on a role like that, ham in in all senses of the word, and and I mean that in the best way possible. Well, it's it's weird too because you know if you look at, I mean, you could have done a lot of other things with like the music too, and I felt like the, even the music was a little, it just didn't do anything for me, you know. And like, isn't the guy did a uh, witch in the lighthouse? I actually like the music quite a bit. Was it wasn't that was was it the guy did a uh, uh, the witch in the lighthouse? It is. It is the guy who did the witch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he was does that kind of chanty like that kind of thing. I I think I just wanted. I mean, he had worked with. He's worked with uh, Vincenzo for um, on Cube, actually, 
and so this was kind of a reunion for there but yeah he did the the lighthouse which you also saw at fantastic fest congrats um yeah <laughs> it, was, it was quite good uh, i yeah. couldn't review it because we already reviewed it for, we already uh, reviewed it and we were tip. hoping that it was, was dr sleep and we'd be talking about dr sleep right now but uh what, uh, what did you what did you not dig about the music was it just was it just the uh the kind of over the topness of it or the cause yeah because I, I, actually I, I thought it was effective but i don't know I thought, you know, I think I just think that it probably could have done a little bit more of like what 1922 did, where like, you know, like the violins like really elevate a lot of the tension that's going on. Like when you watch 1922, the music propels the sort of claustrophobia that's going on in that film, you know, and the way that the house seems to just get smaller and smaller for Thomas Jane and his son. And I felt like the music could have done a little bit more. Um, more work in that field but then again like this movie moves so fast and goes to like to so many different places that I don't know if the music would have really yeah I, I, the funny thing is anyway. I'm a person that gets music stuck in my head all the time and yeah. I really can't recall I mean I Mike can attest to this I've been singing that future verse from oh, King's yeah. Dead the slop a bit I can't yeah multiple yeah, multiple people have told me to stop doing it and I don't even realize it so <laughs> When a song doesn't get stuck in my head yeah. or a soundtrack, and I I love like a nice kind of like ethereal, chanty Gregorian soundtrack, uh, but yeah, this one just didn't, it just didn't stick with me. Yeah, I kind of wish that we we got like a John Williams score for that. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a really lighthearted, <laughs> epic fun. scale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do like this chanting, but it is weird because they use it pretty early on in the film, and I wonder if it had been saved for when we first see the grass people or something. Like it, it didn't have. Um, it didn't quite have escalations to it. It just kind of came out of the bar in full force, which I, I, although I like the music, I do agree it was, it could use some tonal variation or just some more strategic placement as far as when we're going to play the big stuff, when we're going to scale back. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, I, I think a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that I didn't think the art direction was that great of this movie. You know, like, even the, the grass people were kind of lame. You know, it just felt like something that, like, I felt like if we're going to talk about, like, nature horror. I thought like the 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 vines and the ruins and even like the way that the the plants move in that movie, um, which I believe is you know from five or six years ago, maybe maybe even ten years ago at this point. Um, that I thought that they did a far more effective job in making the plants seem menacing there than in this, where it just seemed so like you know push over the people in the blue screen suits, just go run. Like it just it seems yeah. so like it just didn't seem effective. To me. I, I, I had took issue too with the CGI effects of like at one point the grass penetrates yeah. uh, into the fetus and that could have been a practical effect. You know, you just take a little doll and you, you know, you cover it in grass and then pull it off and film it in reverse. Not too hard to execute and instead it just has this, you could tell it's like a low budget for the CGI. I, yeah. I, I just, when a movie does that, it really just puts me off. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing I will give credit to with Shutter's new creep show. Um, not to, you know, go too hard and rep it again, but like they, when, you know, it is a de- definitely a cheap production, but the practical effects really, you know, do a lot of the, uh, you know, the legwork there and, and pull some of the weight and making it seem like something larger than life, something a little more effective. So I think definitely more practical effects with this movie would have probably made me um, just at least memorable. I mean, that's the problem is that like, even like, even some of the more like blase Stephen King adaptations have some sort of like, memorability to it and i and like you're saying with the music like i am drawing blanks in what really kind of stuck with me what kind of even affected me what even like kind of rubbed me the wrong way um and so yeah i mean i don't know just could have had a little more of a signature touch i feel but um 
do we want to talk about anything else in behind the scenes production wise or do we want to go right into uh the the cast of the film Let's talk about some some uh, some hunks and some uh, I don't know some dames. Hunks and dames say. and they're uh, they're no, awful. Shit, that. <laughs> why don't why don't we stick to uh, heroes and villains? And why don't we stick to respect Caffrey for <laughs> actors and actresses? Yes, yes. Well, we'll meet in the Barons. I'm gonna have to kill this fucking clown. Welcome to the Losers Club, asshole. Well, now that we uh, had to uh, hear uh, Caffrey disrespect all the the women out there, um, no, I'm just, no. <laughs> just joking. I was um, like hunks, and then what's the yeah? Just don't say I, it again. Don't I know, I know. I, lo- I, just, I love the word. Love the word hunk. It's uh, it's it's got so many uses. Yeah, I, I like the word hunk too. Like you're a hunk of shit, Dan, for treating people that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could handle being the grass this long, uh, but no. Uh, very small cast. Uh, easily the the biggest name they had was Patrick Wilson, and they clearly built this around him. Um, for a while during the movie, I wondered if he like was on set for maybe like ten, like, you know, like for like ten hours or something like that. <laughs> it was just like you know, I could fill my scenes and push these kids, but he actually does have a pretty substantial yeah. role in this movie. So yeah, he had a, a fantastic fest. He wasn't. Most of them were there and present, um, and he actually did Skype in for the talk back afterwards, which, which uh, was kind of cool. Was know. it was it like a frozen Skype where he's just like, "Hi, it was pretty <laughs> good." Like, and then Tally, this is, this is Pat calling from California. <laughs> the, I'm here on the Conjuring Three. When Juan <laughs> was Watchmen ten years ago. All right, Whoa, Patrick. All thanks right. for joining us. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I actually really like Patrick Wilson as an actor, too. And yeah. he has, like, I can't think of many actors that pull off the way he looks because he, he's mm-hmm. obviously in very good shape. Yeah. But he has this very, like, friendly dad demeanor. But it's almost like, like, I had a teacher at my elementary school. He was a kindergarten teacher, but he was kind of this big, handsome man. And he, Patrick Wilson just seems like he'd be good with children. Like, there's nothing very threatening. And I think, yeah, that Thomas Jane taking that part. Might have made it a little bit scarier, but I always like seeing. I agree, Patty Wills. Patty Wills, yeah, yeah P. Wills. I, and he's, I like, he, I like how he's become this kind of genre stalwart. I think he deals with genre material pretty well, even though he's he comes from a theater background. I think he I actually like. I think he is really good in The Conjuring, and 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 I, I know a lot of people were making fun of for how over the top he was in this, but I don't know what else you're supposed to do with this role. I mean, he's even more over the top in the novella, and I actually thought Patrick Wilson did a nice job of finding some more nuance with him and uh because we think he's supposed to be a good guy at first i actually thought he played the film uh the family man aspects of him just as well as when he becomes like a true maniac i, I was i was a big fan of him in this. I, I agree i thought i thought that he was fine in that i i just think that like when it came time to be the villain it seemed a little too um like tongue-in-cheek if that makes sense come on touch the rock touch yeah, the yeah. rock touch the rock it's in the rock what's in it if I, if I had to like pick an MVP of this movie, I actually think Harrison Gilbertson, um, you know, as the estranged uh, father, so yeah. to speak. Uh, I thought he's he not a, who is uh, not in the novel either, or the novel. Oh, new character, yeah. Which yeah, I, I thought yeah, I thought that guy was Harrison Gilbertson. What is has been he been well, before? He, I actually know any of these people before I saw the movie. He had actually, I, I thought I recognized him a little bit more. He kind of has like a Nick Stahl look to him. Um, by the way, he plays uh, Travis McKean, uh, which is kind of a, a cool name. Maybe he's the son of Michael McKean in this universe, but um, which would be interesting. Like, uh, but uh, he, no, I'm just joking. But he, he was actually, I think he was a bad guy in Need for Speed. Um, 
He was another in... Breaking Bad connection, huh? Yeah, I love Breaking Bad. Can't wait. El Camino. Better call Saul, but this wasn't Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, Je- Jesse Pinkman was also in the Need actor for Speed, Jesse so. Pinkman. The yeah, actor Need for Speed. Yeah. <laughs> what if What if Aaron Paul had been in this one? Yeah, that that would have been cool. Actually, I think he could pull that part off pretty well. Um, yeah. I, I, one thing too, just with going a little bit back to Patrick Wilson. As a plot device, too, the idea of having, like, trying to force someone to touch something yeah. never really works for me because I'm like, he's big and strong. Just pick them up and exactly. touch them against it. They don't yeah. have to, you know. Unless they have to have agency to touch it. Yeah, but I, I think if you hold so. them there long enough, I, I don't know. It just seems to me like the rules were if you make contact with this rock, yeah. you're going to get brainwashed. So yeah. why not just pick them up and carry them? It was like a weird, dangerous game of um, tag. I guess, or what, 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 laser tag. I guess I would call it know? like when you're on the bed and you're like, the floor is hot lava. Yeah. And you and your brothers, you know, throw pillows and you just try to avoid contact. Yeah. I guess it's a little bit like that. But for me, not as interesting to watch like a, a, as a film. Um, although I guess there were like some stakes, so to speak, of like, oh my God, are they going to touch the rock? Are they going to touch it? And I kind of liked the the way that uh travis does touch it and like uses it to his advantage like because at that point I, that was actually the most surprising part of the movie because i thought it was going to end um nihilistically you know where he was going to touch it and then they were going to get you know trapped in there and the fact that he actually did use it to advantage and they kind of do that nice callback where patrick wilson says like you know if you do touch it you get to see all the ins and outs and the exits but you don't want to leave and the fact that he did want to leave like that's what i'm saying travis mckean mvp of this uh the of this movie and um my, uh, I'm just going to say it now. My, my boy, Harrison Gilbertson, who I don't recognize <laughs> for any, any movies other than, I guess. Yeah. All right. So he was an upgrade. Um, and he's the villain upgrade. Did you see upgrade? No, I didn't see that. Oh, uh, the movie's I still so good. Seen it. I hear it's really good. Yeah. I've heard really good things about it's, it. It's, it's really good. And he kind of plays this like a uh, villainous doctor or like kind of weird, weird doctor in it. Um, got a very cool assault and, uh, it, not assault and priest. It got a cool carpenter vibe, which is why I'm glad uh, that uh, Leigh Whannell, who directed it and wrote it, uh, is going to be working on the Escape from New York remake. But but, but I do like that actor. I, I thought he was pretty good. Um, I never really saw any of his stuff either. But, you know, he comes across and you start getting annoyed by him. But you're like, you realize that's the part he's playing, too. And yeah. if he can play kind of that swarmy, villainous guy, you know, it sounds like he might be getting typecast a little bit. But he pulls it off. He does. And he, he his character gets the thing I love most in horror movies is when they, like, get really thrown through the ringer. And he still survives. Like there are like three moments in this movie where you think he's done for, and he keeps coming back. Um, there are a lot of instances like that in a lot of mo- new modern horror movies. Um, the one that comes to mind is I-, I mentioned the ruins earlier, and there's a character Joe Anderson kind of gets thrown in the ringer in that movie um, and continues to keep coming back. Uh, same thing with the Evil Dead remake. Um, the guy who basically is like a stand-in for Scotty, uh, he gets thrown through every fucking thing in that movie and still manages to like kind of stand up for like the last third act <laughs> and stuff so it's it's I, I i like that with characters so for me to see him keep surviving these things was awesome and then for him to actually be like the redemptive character uh was i, I don't know i thought that was a nice touch like his arc for me was one that i really liked um and i can't really say the same for um you know becky demuth who is the main character here because I, I just didn't really think that she was that I just didn't think her character was that remarkable. I thought she was kind of, they kind of short-sighted her a little bit with kind of giving her like the, almost like a damsel in distress a little bit too much in here. Like, I, well, I, that's what I think I mean when, it, when I'm, I'm like, what, what else could the movie have, expa- have, have expanded upon other than the macabre elements of the grass? I'm like, what, do, I mean, I guess we get a little bit more backstory with her and, and uh, the guy, but even then, not really. I mean, I, I feel like they really just leaned into her. Yeah. Getting lost in, in the grass. And I, I not nothing against her performance. I just think, 
she didn't have a ton to do, you know? No, I mean, I thought she was, I mean, yeah, she didn't have a ton to do. I thought her brother in this, Avery Witted, um, who plays Cal, I thought he was awful in this. I, I, I just thought he was just... Oh, really? I like yeah, that. I didn't, I, 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 I thought yeah. that, I thought it was a little too, um, I thought some of his delivery was just a little too much, um, trying to embellish the fact that he was a creep. Whereas, like, I like, if you could play a creep and play it naturally... It's great, and you want to see a good natural creep? Just go see the movie Creep with uh, Mark Duplass, and he. Great, like, I love that movie. That. that movie's great. Just watched the sequel yeah. again recently. Yeah, yeah um, me too. Sequels, but, yeah, sequels good too. But um, but it it is funny, and I this is like a theme that uh kind of recurs in horror where people bring their personal grudges into the horror situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a zombie attack, but I'm gonna kill this guy that cheated on my wife. You know, or cheated with my wife. Yeah, and this idea of like. Look, can we just put aside our differences exactly, for a little? You know, yeah. now that the world is ending, maybe we could put aside the petty stuff and you know unite. It's, I would hope that I would do that in a you know survival mo- situation. The- but instead, it's like, oh, here's the window of opportunity to you know get what I want and yeah. forget about all the rest. I will say that moment where he pushed him off the bowling alley roof. That did, it's weird because they did go to great lengths to make him kind of creepy. But I feel like I didn't. I guess I didn't think he was murderous. Um, I but, didn't either. I thought that was way too yeah, convenient. It, it felt really abrupt. And and I, I guess you could argue, well, the grass pushed him to that point. Um, in, in a weird way, I buy the baby eating more than I bought that. Yeah. You know, what I, mean? I, I don't. I don't know what it was. It, it just felt very out of nowhere for me. I, I agree. I thought that was the one of the more, more convenient character turns for them to do, and it just didn't. It just felt so like unearned, also because, like, yeah, to your point he's clearly an asset and he's helping you out and he's getting you there. Like, why would you dis? why would you get rid of someone that can actually help you right. find a way out of this? You, have, you, you know? and him can fight Patrick Wilson together and yeah. two, two verse one, two are usually going to win. Yeah. Although I guess you could say really Patrick there. Wilson has an army of grass minions to help him. So maybe yeah. not as fair of a fight, Some but creepy CGI grass minions that walk around. Um, they kind of reminded me of like, um, something that would be in, um, like Minecraft. I don't know if anybody yes, plays yeah, Minecraft there, true. but I, I've, I've watched people play Minecraft, and it looks like something from Minecraft. But uh, I, and I and I will say, you know, one of our last uh, you know big uh, characters here, Will Bue Jr. as Tobin uh, Humboldt. Um, I thought the little kid Tobin was good. Yeah, he when he first came on, he has that really commanding presence, you know, and he's he kind of understands what's going on before they do, and yeah. you sort of learn that he was, you know, the student as well previously in his loop. But he, he did come in with that authority where it's funny in a horror movie, too, when someone has information you don't have, you kind of look at them, you know, like they're an authority figure. And right yeah. now, like, I've been working a kind of a new job and, you know, my peers, it's like, oh, they're like, they know so much and I know so little. But then that gradually you kind of get used to it and you realize like, oh, it's just... It's like when you go up a grade in school, I thought like in seventh grade, I was like, oh, the eighth graders are so big and old. <laughs> yeah. And then you get there and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it uh, for... With his was like I I liked his conviction, you know, and I thought that the kid it's hard for a kid to have conviction in these movies because they usually just come off as just like bratty or um, sometimes they just come off as like a little too dramatic. And in this, like I really did believe the kid's fear, especially like at the end when he's like screaming at them like "Don't go back in there! Don't go back in there!" Like there was like an earnest like angst and anxiety there. I felt um, that. For me, it was almost like the ending of like Creepshow 2 is the raft where you're like, oh my God, just fucking run, run, run. Like, stop. Don't taunt the goddamn thing. And in this, like, I could feel like he was definitely connected with the audience at that point. So I thought the little kid was good. And he played the the, the creepy part. You know, creepy kids are annoying. But I felt in the beginning, 
he did the you know good job here. Um, and he, yeah, he didn't go he didn't go too far with the creepiness, which I think is the default in a lot of like Blumhouse movies. You know, you know like, which is one of the kids, Sinister, Insidious, one, one out of one of them. Um, I, I feel like it's easy for kids just to go into. I'm going to talk out really calm and say everything like this, and then I'm going to start screaming. You know, yeah. so, oh, which and is I the feel worst. Like he, I think he was avoiding that quite nicely. Yeah. He just kind of played it naturalistically. Yeah, when someone's like cute and knows it, that can be a turnoff. And it's like the kids on <laughs> Kids Say the Darndest Things, where it's like, oh, great. Like, you know what you're saying is adorable, but the fact that you know it's adorable makes me lose interest. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, Oscar nominated uh, star Jacob Tremblay does that a, a little too much sometimes in his like post room uh, roles. It's just like this hey, I'm great. You know, um, and it trying to kind of. Is he the uh, is he the kid from Good Boys? I liked him in Good yeah. Boys quite. Oh, a bit. is he good in Good Boys? I haven't, I haven't yeah, watched Good Boys. Yeah, but I mean, Good Boys is different because it's they're supposed to be these kind of, these kids who are dirty, but they also don't know what they're talking about. So it's kind of playing off of them not know not being yeah. not not being smart, but not being as savvy as they think they are. Yeah, um, I like Good Boys quite a bit. I've actually never seen Room or any of his uh, serious roles. I don't think. Oh, room's well, pretty good. Room's good. Room's good. It has a uh, uh, Captain Marvel star Brie Larson who won the Academy Award for it. Um, in uh, I like she that. Might, I like she, Captain Marvel more than most, but uh, yeah. well, she she really gave it her all in uh, Kong Skull Island when she was playing um, the, the heroine of that movie. But um, anyway, uh, we have we have. <laughs> like you said you told me your favorite movie, Cap, uh, Marvel movie is Captain Marvel, oh, and yeah. you said you said not only does it have the studio's name in the title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I liked it fine. I, I, I didn't see I didn't see Captain Marvel. I am uh, I, I I loved Iron Man three though. That was fun. Twenty thirteen. Shane Black. Um, last character Rachel Wilson, uh, who plays the mother, and uh, Mother Humboldt, Natalie Humboldt, doesn't get a much doesn't get really much to do, um, unfortunately. But uh, great that's another death. case where we don't in the in the novella we just see her corpse. She's yeah. not really a character. And unfortunately, I don't think the movie. It's like why add, why add the person as a live person if you're not actually going to do something with her beyond just just once again origin backstory kind of. And stuff. And also, death. You yeah, could, I mean, yes, you had to yeah. see the murder on camera, but again, like, I think having a corpse almost there would be just as effective, or having the kid discover it in front of them. Because I, I don't remember much about her character again either, and which yeah. means it's probably not she wasn't given a lot to work with. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little tired. I think we can kind of. Lay back a little bit in this grass, take a nap, and hopefully we don't have any nightmares and dreamscapes. If you think your dreams are disturbing, (laughs) imagine the nightmares of Stephen King. What are you, some sort of a horror movie guy? No, Clyde, I'm a literary guy. Bad news, we got some nightmares and dreamscapes to explore. Uh, Look... We've pretty much digressed on the things that we don't really like in this in this movie. But if we had to like choose like what really didn't work for you here, what would it be? And Caffrey, I mean, you reviewed the whole goddamn thing and put it to text. So let's start with you because I think you have a pretty good grasp on like what. Yeah. You know. I mean, I'm trying to think of it like a scene specifically. I mean, I think if I if I had to point to the my overall issue with the movie, it really would be just. Um, yeah, all right. Like the way the, sh- the novella is, it feels like it's going to end at a certain time, and it does, right? Yeah. And the first act of this movie feels like that too. I was actually kind of surprised when we got what 40, 45 minutes in. I'm like, where are they going to go from here? Um, 
and I, th- I think if I was going to, and it's like I said, it's not a specific scene, but I, it's just that lack of escalation. It's just yeah. like flatlining throughout. I mean, if I had, I'm trying to think if there's a scene within. There's a soggy middle to this. Film. Yeah, a very soggy middle. Yeah. And you know, the, um, you know what? I mean, this is just a, re- this is a really, uh, just a really small thing, but I'll, I'll, we haven't talked about it yet. I mean, we've talked about the CGI, but so, uh, so Randall texted me because he knew the novella and he was trying to decide if he's going to, if he's going to watch it when it came out. And he was like, does the dog die in it? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, kind of because you see it die and come back. And then, but then I told him, like, you know, though, the CGI gore is is so blurry and not great that it actually wasn't. I, I hate watching animal violence yeah. and dogs on screen. It didn't even bother me that much because the the gut. And once again, like Flieger said, you can put some fake guts on a dog and make it re- really sad and really yeah. scary and effective. But with this, I'm like, why are we CGI in this stuff? So that, that's like a really minor thing. But you saying soggy just reminded me of the. The soggy fake looking guts. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that'd be, that'd be the thing I point out that we haven't talked about already. Yeah, soggy is fresh cut grass in the middle. Um, I gotta say the sort of sense of location yeah. wasn't great because it never felt to me like they were more than fifty to hundred feet away from the highway. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be this sort of like meandering, goes forever. And you had some of those, you know, aerial like birds eye view kind of shots but it still felt like they were kind of close to the road yeah um you know and i I understand it's supposed to be kind of confusing as they move about but even like the landmark of the bowling alley i just didn't i didn't get the sense of scale that they were trying to come across i didn't didn't either like i i I felt as if we never felt lost in this movie right it was like when you see like a shot of like a desert with dunes Mm -hmm. and it just seems like it goes on forever and i really wanted to get that and I just, I don't know, it just didn't come across. Whereas I mean, I in the guess, book, your imagination, you know, you can oh, yeah. supplement it yourself, and that grass gets really big. And they try to have these, like, really interesting perspective shots of, like, where, like, the grass looks like it's kind of scaling over them a little bit. But, and I, and I guess one would argue that he was trying to make the, the sort of tantalizing notion that, like, oh, my God, you could almost see your way out, but you can't get out. But they don't really capitalize on that either. So, like, if they were going to do that and that's what they wanted to, they should have had, like, more scenes where, like, you could almost get out. Like, I think of, in that sort of type of horror, I think of, like, the Twilight Zone movie. You know, when, like, Vic Morrow is, like, in the, in the back of the truck and he sees his friends at the bar and, like, the truck's going to drive away and he's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait for me. Like, you need more of those scenes. And, like, even with something like... um Oh, I just blanked on it, but like, um, uh, God, I can't, I can't think of a, another example of it, but like, that's, that's the one that really does come to mind for sure, where you could just like, you're almost out, you could almost get out, but you just, you can't get enough out. Oh, identity is one of them. Oh yeah. Like when, oh, they, yeah. When, when they really feel like the mechanics of that world and you realize that like you could drive to one area and you're just going to end up at the other, like Jake Busey's character, I think in the movie does like the escape convict, there's like terror to that. And you feel that realization. And I never got that realization in this movie. And that, for me, is, like, the big failure of the movie. Because, especially from, coming from a guy who directed Cube, because, like, again, there's no suffocation here. And, like, that should be your terror. Like, that's how you should be terrified of this whole movie, even beyond the psychopathic killer, which never was going to terrify me anyway. And this sort of, like, ritualistic mythos that's going on there that seemed a little half-assed to begin with. You know, like... It's it really was going to be the tension of the actual grass, and I just never felt it whatsoever with this. And that's hey, for ass, me as a fault. Gas, grass, no one rides for free, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. They missed opportunity not having that bumper sticker on one of the uh, vehicles in the church lot. By the I know. way, but yeah, and it could have been like on a, like you know a rundown car that looked like Christine. Or having the grassroots. I think it was a uh, wasn't there a Planet uh, Fury in the church parking lot. 
I actually don't remember. I think there. I want to say there was. Our not, listeners not, are gonna be not, like screaming at us for not remembering. I know. There. I know, not. Not because I was. I saw it with uh, with Matt Elliott, one of our listeners who who was also covering Fantastic Fest, and I remember like whispering to him, "Oh, Plymouth Fury." But then I was like, "Was it a Plymouth Fury?" And it wouldn't have been. Um, it would not have been. Uh, um, one of the characters cars i think it was just like parked in the church lot i which, don't know yet which i like that. Help us out. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I li- like i like that little like detail it reminded me of like the ending of uh from dust till dawn when it like pans over behind the the thing and you see like all the cars from years oh and behind years the years. temple yeah, yeah all the, that's um, cool spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen from dust till dawn yeah that movie's um, like 20 years old yeah, now it's, i think we're good yeah, yeah, yeah. um but Great uh, movie. Yeah, and then also it's just like the, the art design, like you know, the, the grass people were kind of meh, and even like when it split open and there was like a hell, like it was an interesting concept, but again, it felt a little like um, hamstrung by the kind of CGI again. Like again, like make a room full of people. Like maybe they did that, but there was a wash to it that felt a little too like I'm playing, you know, Final Fantasy VII or something. Like that. Yeah, it, it really it, going back to the Soundgarden thing. It, in general, it did feel like a music video editing. Um, you know, you have the monsters and whatnot, but the quick shots, it just looked very cheap. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's, you know, we've talked about what's given us nightmares, uh, you know, anxiety nightmares. Let's go over to the cemetery and actually talk about things that did scare us. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all. I'm... <laughs> I'm drawing... Oh, I, I've got one. I've You've got, got one? one? Okay, you go first. So we, we did talk about the scene. I, 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 I know there, there's a, maybe a questionable gore effect, but I actually did think the, the infamous scene from the novella where... Um, he uh the brothers making her eat the the fetus and he's eating it too i actually did think that was filmed pretty well i I enjoyed the the blurry lens they put on it i i bought that she was in this kind of dream state and would maybe be led to do that it i I think also because most of the movie is so loud despite it being this simple premise that the the music's very loud it's a lot of jump scares it's a lot of repeating once it quieted down and we we got these close-ups of really textured mud and we heard these gross slurping sound effects that actually was pretty effective for me it was like a nice a nice bright spot in the movie it was, for surround- me. I don't know if you it was surrounded with like enough dread for it to like work out too yeah because I mean, at that point you do feel really like she's gone crazy. you know yeah because it, it, so, it, yeah. it is that that's the point where you thought like this movie felt like it was reaching its end right well yeah exactly well it's a little bit after so i, I feel like it's because that that's like a kind of it, honestly it's kind of the climax of the of the novella and then they cut to this epilogue thing um, cause the, the novella does have a, a very, a much more nihilistic ending than the movie does. Yeah. Um, so this would have been, yeah. So I guess this would have been like the act, almost the actual end of the novella. But for I think in the movie, it was sort of after a lot of that bloated second act stuff, then that happened, but then they add some more bloated second act stuff. Then they got to, to the ending. Yeah. Uh, so what, so it was this kind of oasis in the middle of, a, of, of lumpiness that we already yeah. talked about. Yeah. The, I think you're right though. The eating it bothered me. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the movie raw. Yeah, um, oh, just when so people good. are sort of like gorging. They don't really know why they're eating it, but their body's telling them to do it. And it is freaky, the idea of getting this substance in you and, you know, eating the baby and like the stuffing of the grass in the mouth. It, you know, it, it bothers me, too, because I always have to have a glass of water when I eat. And 
like, oh, her mouth's got to be getting so dry from that grass, you know? <laughs> all, the, all that grass, yeah. yeah it, it, it looked good, though. It, ta- it looked like it tasted good. Yeah. yeah. I want to try something. Have you ever eaten grass? I'm sure I have on, like, a dare. Hey, when yeah. I play golf, I eat a lot of grass. Yeah. A lot of sand traps, right. too. No, what I always think looks good is um, in Mrs. Doubtfire, there's that soccer cake that he gets for his son, or that Sally Field gets for his son. And you know how uh, Robin Williams is throwing the big birthday party for for the family. With House um, of Pain playing? Yeah, and House of Pain is playing. And then that horse like eats the soccer cake and it eats the frost, the frosted grass. It's like the frosted yeah, grass. I, I, was, I, really I know good. exactly what I'm you're talking about. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I wish I could have like some soccer, t- some soccer cake right now. I love like cheap butter. <laughs> cream grocery store cake i do too yeah i do, I do great. who doesn't i, I mean, actually prefer it over like fondant fancy cake because fondant just tastes like sugar yeah, yeah. Just, yeah I do, here's, here's a question not to go off too off on a tangent but when you get cakes do you like having like lots of icing or do you like having minimal icing i like a lot of icing me if it's too. good if it's buttercream i like a lot of icing. me too if it's the buttercream icing i go i'm all in yeah Dan. i'm segueing more to pies mm. lately just because i think the flavor is more complex love pie. Like a lot of cake does taste similar but i love a good like chocolate or an ice cream cake i mean it's, it's cake man it can't go wrong i i agree and and if we're talking pie i love a little cherry pie like my favorite show twin peaks uh, oh yeah and i uh, but i don't like a grass pie and that brings us back to in the tall grass uh directed by vincenzo natale and on netflix um I don't have anything to, that, that, that really ultimately scared me. I, I think that maybe the anxiety of knowing that they could have walked in like idiots and do it all over again was kind of uh, revolting. Yeah, the time loop definitely bothers me, but it got established pretty early on. And then I felt like I was in a time loop because I'm like, I get it. I get the concept. What and about I, the uh, the church? I, I, it wasn't really a scare, but I actually it, it reminded me of the Children of the Corn Church a little bit. Yeah. Like the st- like I like how the stained glass looked like grass. Stained grass, if you will. Stained grass. Um, yeah. Stained grass. I, that, that was a little detail. There were some little details like that that were pretty unnerving. Just the, honestly, that I enjoyed that. This sort of hinting at a greater mythology about the grass. Okay, there's this church that maybe worships it. I'd rather had that than all the other explanations from from Patrick Wilson and, and whatnot. I agree. Um, so yeah, that, that was a little bit unsettling for me. I dug that. Well, you've talked a little bit about the church and you've connected it with Children of the Corn. I think we should probably debate that a little bit in our next section, King's Dominion. There's another world out there. I know there is. Flieger, when we were watching this, we did talk about how, like, this could have easily been connected to, like, Hemingford Home and Children of the Corn and, you know, tie that into that world a little bit. And also, like, you know, the man behind the rose um, with, like, Randall Flagg and, like, the eyes and whatnot and what, you know, the corn, the Children of the Corn actually worship. Do we think they were trying to indulge in any of that with this movie whatsoever? I, I, I had my eyes peeled, and I, I really did not see much. And, I, you yeah. know, we have had debates about Easter eggs and, you know, when they hit you over the head. But a couple subtle, you know, the eye of the Crimson King would have been nice to sneak into the church. Just yeah. these little things that add to the mythology without distracting from the film. Uh, but I, well, I, think I really didn't see a lot. I was going to say, too, isn't the, this is in Kansas, right? My, my incorrect in that? Whereas... Uh, Hemingford Home is in Nebraska, or do they not say like st- just state wise? Um, I don't think I don't I don't think it, it, it says. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. it doesn't look like um, at least in the original novella. I don't think it says where it's supposed to be. Um, when it's it, it's interesting because it feel even even oh, just no, the way this it is this is Kansas. It, well, in it's the, Kansas, right? Well, yeah, in the in the actual premise log for the film, it's it's supposed to be Kansas. Yeah. Um, I, it's it's interesting because 
in a weird way, this does feel so much like Children of the Corn, even even there being this church that they wander into and it's near this small town and how, you know, they 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 stop because they're trying to help a boy and in Children of the Corn, they stop because that boy runs out of the corn and his guy's throat slit. But the tough thing you run into is that Children of the Corn is supposed to be surrounded, Gatlin is supposed to be surrounded by corn on all sides. And once again, the grass isn't corn. So it's weird because even though it's the same setting, it, and in a weird way, it kind of, the having it be grass and not corn kind of shoots the it shoots any connections in the foot in a little bit. You, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it, it I would agree. be hard to connect that. Yeah, I don't know. Even though it feels so similar to me, I, I feel like. I think maybe just spiritually, there's a link there of just yeah the idea that any tall foliage in a Stephen King story just <laughs> don't go in whatsoever. I actually, yeah. if we are in King's Dominion, we're talking about the allusions to different books. I actually think King would do well, like indulging a little bit more in like nature horror, you know, like oh, think I about, think so think too, about yeah. all the eco stuff that he is able to do, you know, like, I mean, like beach world is kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, the raft. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I like his more natural horror. And especially um, right now with like what's going on with the climate, like, yeah, like give us a fires. climate change book or something like that. Like, oh yeah. The climate be, change book from yeah. Stephen King. And he great. could go promote it that way. And like, there wouldn't be any, An you know, author in Maine notices the weather he's like, being erratic. He's <laughs> like, it's like this, it's like the stand meets the plant. I'm going to call it the stand. The stand. <laughs> yeah. I, well, well, you know, just think about the rock itself. You know, like if you touch the rock, there's like a there's an, a um a hallucinatory um angle to it that's a lot like the raft with like you know the 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 oil slick that comes around there and um tears apart those uh unlucky kids uh poncho but uh so i thought that there yeah there there are definitely like some similarities just in narrative itself but i didn't i didn't see anything in this movie i do, i will say since they were in kansas it would have been really cool if uh they went down like one of the rows of grass and something opened and you saw carrie livgren dave hope Robbie steinhardt steve walsh uh john elephant and steve morse and they were playing point of no return uh and that is a kansas joke uh, which, if you know, yeah, your I was classic, like, where are you going with this? <laughs> if you know your classic rock history, your prog rock, your your uh, prog rock hits. Yeah, yeah, like a little old prog rock. But other than that, yeah, I got nothing other than an ill-fated joke that I just told. Um, because I've fun fact, I've seen Kansas live seven times, uh, which is more than I've seen most of my favorite. Wait, bands. really? Yeah, well, how, with, with your parents or something? Or how, no, how? Strictly with uh, uh, Cap Blackard and I would go see them anytime uh, the band Kansas? came to South Florida. Oh yeah, we. We went to like Greyhound tracks. We went to uh, like old stadiums. One time we saw Yes, just because. Well, Cap loves a, a Yes, so that we went to yeah, go see yes. yes. Yeah, I think Yes is a little bit better. In Kansas. Except they were just playing like really like boring R and B that 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 tour. So like Kansas like killed it, and we actually. I mean, not to go too much. Kansas like, killed it. They did kill it, and they actually had they had really great, uh, you know, uh, old album like newer albums in their older age. Um, Seek out Icarus 2, a great sequel to a, an original but classic. I, I guess it's funny because I guess like Journey is kind of this hit machine, and I know Kansas does have hits, but but I feel like I don't know. Did they have enough hits to sustain seeing them seven times? Or I, I, I love Dust in the Wind. I, I don't actually don't love Let Dust in the Wind, but I, I love. Um, you know, uh, carry on my wayward son is wonderful. Oh yeah, that phrase. Uh, hey guys, I'm gonna go walk into this tall grass for a minute. If you'll excuse me. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, right. let, we'll, we'll save that. We'll, we'll save that for a Kansas-centric episode if uh, if our listeners want it. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> king, in, king in Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. If if when we start our Patreon, maybe uh, they they can uh, you know pledge to have us uh, talk about Kansas for four fucking hours or whatever. 
Um, anyway, you've seen, you've seen Kansas more times than you've seen like Springsteen. Yeah, that's actually true. I've seen Kansas more times. Than, well, I don't know. I got to count how many times I've seen Springsteen. I've seen Springsteen a bunch, and yeah, you have yeah. two. So I have. Yeah, that's seven. Oh, what's, maybe. what's the band yeah. you've seen the most? Oh man, I you know for a while it uh, was Hot Water Music. Yeah, um, same, me and might Dan still be Hot Water Music. Yeah, I think I, we just they were local. Seen, kind I've of seen them more than like twenty four times. Yeah, yeah, but, I think me too. I think yeah because they were right. Twenty four. Yeah, because they they really were everywhere in Florida, and we were just constantly seeing. I lived in the town that they yeah. lived in too, and they're they're no they're Kansas. Kansas Hot Water Music's no Kansas, but no, those boys are. They, uh, they, they played uh, on my birthday in Austin and they played all of caution and it was excellent. It was a great night. It was a great night. I've seen uh, the, the one I've seen the most is uh, a Chicago band by the name of Wilco. I've seen them uh, 14 uh, yeah. times and probably will be 17 times by the end of this year if they do their residency. But uh, I'm stoked seeing them in about uh, in a few weeks. I'm excited. It's yeah. going to be good. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Man, this isn't, this isn't the Wilco club. No, no, <laughs> this is the uh, tall grass club. So, um, Let's nose this. Dad, can we go now? You ready? Yeah, we've been ready for an hour. <laughs> okay, I'll be right there. You said that a half hour ago. Yeah, my dad's weird. He gets like that when he's writing. All right, Caffrey, we already know your review based on yeah. what was published on Consequences of Sound, but I, I, yeah, what, what, do you, what do you give? What, what, what clown nose reigning? Uh, bright red Pennywise clown noses. What do you give? Sticking, sticking with my with, – I wish I had a, a Gerber here to do some – or one Gerber here to do Gerberlytics. But uh, I think – I gave it a C plus, which I think would come out to like two and a half bright red yeah. Pennywise clown noses. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Bright, two and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. I think I'm going to stick with that also. Um, I thought that the, this was, in a, you know, boilerplate Netflix thriller that I guess was fun, to, you know, fun to watch in a way. It wasn't really fun. That's the thing. Like, you know, when I want to watch like a even like an at home rental, um, an at home rental. What did it fucking uh, <laughs> unnecessary combination? Let's go to the words. library and get some at home rental. Yeah, an at home <laughs> rental. If, if, if I watch a rental, I just want to like have fun with it, and like I just didn't really even have fun with this. It was just kind of like, all right, yeah, this is getting the beats of the story, and they're doing some dark things, but I don't know. I just didn't get anything out of this, and it, I wasn't like riveted. I, 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 when it ended, it was kind of like. All right, that seems like a sensible ending for this. I'm glad they got out at least, but you know, I think so. I think too because, like we were saying, it because it's one of Stephen King's weirder stories. But the movie doesn't quite go weird enough either in script or or concept. No, no. it feels like it's supposed to be this this like adrenalized, really watchable kind of horror movie, and so I feel it feels kind of stuck between those two things, and uh, as a result, it is neither. You know. Yeah. What what about you, Fleer? Um, so I actually really like the novella. Like I would give the novella four bright red Pennywise yeah. clown noses, but this I would give one point seven five. The film, whoa, bright red Pennywise. Oh man, I don't, I, we um, never done a point seven five. That's I'm a, cutting it. It, the nose was allergic to grass and I had to cut some of it off to see. Yeah, so the if rest. you're wearing the nose, it kind of looks like an eroded, like yeah. a Rob Zombie version of a Pop Pennywise Popped a Benadryl. Nose. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just think this movie could have been a lot better. There was a lot of. There's a little bit of a side rant, but I, I love the, the Stephen King extended universe. I think it's great that they're producing so many of his films, but I think there's a bit of a cycle where even when he kind of made Carrie and then people started exploiting more of his stuff and yeah. there becomes a little bit of an oversaturation and I get nervous that I ten, agree. 10 years from now, you know, our children's children 
they're going to look back and maybe not appreciate Stephen King quite as much because there's going to be an abundance of these sort of B mm-hmm. movies, yeah. which sort of happened in the 90s. It happened in the 80s. I mean, overall, I'm really happy that these things get made because I, I did enjoy watching this movie. I just think it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I, I'm a little it's, worried about what's going on with all the adaptations because this has been kind of a weird year. I mean, I, I liked It Chapter 2 for the most part. I did I def- too. Yeah. You know, I acknowledge that it has its flaws, but I did, certainly didn't hate it as much as most of the, the, the losers. And um, I, was, I was surprised how much the – because I, I, you and me kind of were on the same page. I, yeah. It's definitely flaws, but I felt very satisfied at the end. I felt like it hit the beats it needed to. Oh, totally. And, uh, Man, but, but like Mel said, she's like, it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I, I was yeah. like, holy shit. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And no, honestly, no, though, no. it's 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 certainly, you know, she's not alone. And I mean, like the... the, the Ren- energy... Renzel uh, didn't like it either. I think. No, no, and, definitely uh, I, not. I, a friend of mine who loves the first one here at UT, he walked out of the second one. Yeah. And I was like, dude, all right. really? I'm like... I don't see how you can like the first one and hate this one that much, but but here we are, you know. But that's yeah, no, the she's thing. Not like, I think that perception's pretty pretty consistent. Well, it's just weird that like it's been you know less than a month and nobody's talking about it. The energy's gone. Whereas like two years ago when yeah. it came out, chapter one, people were still talking about it. It was still in theaters. It was still a mo- You know, there was an energy to it. And I'm wondering if that's kind of emblematic of like what the adaptations are going. I'm real. That's why I'm putting a lot of stock. I'm trying not to with Doctor Sleep because I really think that that could possibly like be a nice rebound to like everything that's been going on right now. Yeah. And with all the streaming services too, you know, the, with everything yeah. media, it's content is King, right? Just yeah. produce it. We don't care. Green light it, get it through. But sometimes I just want quality to be. King. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also too, is it's like a <laughs> it, content is King with the capital K. If you get what I'm saying. Um, no, I think too that we'll even, all right. So I'm looking at it, chapter two's box office. Now it costs 79 million to make and so far it's made 423 million which by all accounts that's a hit right yeah. but I'm looking at the show times for it it's really not playing like super widely at least in Austin no. anymore and so I'm wondering if it's going to make as much money as the, as the I mean the first one was like the, mo- well, the first one only made 700 I, I could see No no the first one was is the yeah, highest but, but grossing I mean, horror movie of all time Why though. go to the movies when you can just get an at home rental Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fucking asshole. But, but I don't know I, I do, I do think though that um, and, and yeah, because even liking it a lot, it definitely it just feels like there's not that buzz around it. And now I feel like on I mean we always joke. I feel like on COS I'm just seeing a new news thing every day of like oh this yeah. this novel suddenly had the Colorado kid has the right to purchase. I'm like <laughs> why are we making a movie? I mean I don't know if that's one of them, but I feel like we're seeing all these titles where you're like why are you even? It's just anything that King cranks out, people are like scooping up, which like Fleeger said is exactly what happened. With uh, with our boy Dino uh, in the late eighties and nineties, oh, um, yeah, and I and I don't think these ones coming out. I mean, in, in the Tall Grass is an example. They're not quite at the turds that some of the the older eighties ones were, but I don't. That's almost worse to me, you know. Like like having these having a bunch of middle of the road Stephen King adaptations. I'd almost rather have another like graveyard shift or something. That's just no, so, I agree. Yeah, so like ballsy but also horrible, you know. Like, so I, I, yeah, I don't know. And that's and that's like the joy of a rental, like when you can actually just have like something so stupid and dumb and like and just and just enjoy it for it being like actual B movie fun. Like all these movies have a sort of like prestige, you know, yeah. like quality to it. And even this, I mean, this is like it's lens well, like you know, it's um, you know, it's it's got some like a list, you know, it has an a list performer in it, uh, has rising talent. Like there's clearly you know a lot of like um there's a lot of talent and like uh goods here it's, but like it's a more like avant-garde director i would argue yeah most horror movies but give me like something that's just like 
that could be just like kind of stupid fun in in being awful too. Like, and that's and that is something that is certainly missing from this renaissance because i just don't think those movies are even really being greenlit or made anymore you know yeah i mean honestly like 1922 is i thought one of the best ones i agree i I really really enjoyed that movie movie. yeah and i we i uh rewatched the mist recently and and part of what i love about the mist is like it has this it does have some i I think some deeper implications with the ending but it's also just a really good straightforward monster movie like for like 75 percent of it you know i feel like we're missing a little bit of that sorry what what were you gonna say player uh no that's just talk about kansas some more but <laughs> yeah no <laughs> i don't have anything to say it's fine whatever yeah but yeah so I don't, we'll, we'll see i mean i i do i'm i'm it's fine it's actually funny as i do not like the book of dr sleep but i'm really excited for the movie yeah. i think it's quite excellent yeah well we're gonna get there we got a few more weeks and we have some really exciting weeks coming up uh next week we're gonna be talking about the institute finally uh when we do a needful tweets episode we're gonna have a lot to to catch up on and we haven't done a needful tweets episode since god uh i think late august uh if not uh early august so lots to do there and then we're gonna be uh hitting the wastelands uh going heading to the dark tower we're going to midworld in uh, october 18th uh which is when um it's gonna air and then uh after that we'll be talking about castle rock season two and we got Dr. Sleep the book and Dr. Sleep the film. So we got a lot of stuff going on in uh, spooky October. And you should follow us, though, on our socials because uh, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, because we are doing a 31 days of Halloween. Uh, we're about th- right now when we're recording this, we're about three days in. And today was Brain Scan, which is my harebrained uh, choice. Uh, and I <laughs> love that movie to death. So enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed it because by the time you listen to this, you're probably already watching in the tall grass and moving around from brain scan, but follow us because we still got a ton of movies to share. And all of us are going to be having our own thoughts uh, that are tied to it on the social. So that'll be fun. We got a lot of stuff going on, but um, Dan, you got anything going on? Do uh, you want to, you want to plug some stuff over there in Austin? Oh man. Uh, I don't think so. I'm trying to think. And not, not till uh, I have a play going up in spring that I'm really excited about that's a, a sequel to Lord of the Flies. Uh, that, but that won't be going. Yeah, and I got a really good director in town to do it. Um, uh, so I'm stoked about that. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll promote that more once I have the dates and all that. That'll be in the, in the spring. And Flieger, uh, what's going on? I'm just saving up to buy a second pair of pants. Oh, nice, nice. Ditto, ditto for sure. Uh, and um, also uh, trying to think about my Halloween costume. I don't know what it's going to be this year, but it might be Ooh, uh, tall grass. Go as one of the grass people. Oh, that would be a good one. I'll go as Patrick real, real, Wilson. Real quick, I'm, I'm not and I'm not trying to rag on him because he should be you know, celebrating his movie. Um, when Vincenzo came out to introduce the movie uh, at Fantastic Fest, he had one of the grass people ma- masks on, and I thought that that was like fun. That's cute. Thought, That's pretty. Yeah, cool. it's good. You should be you should be excited about this movie. Like but um, the so Michael Myers they're... mask. It's destined to become an icon, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I thought it was. I actually thought that. I thought his mask looked pretty cool because I, mean, I I like the way the grass people look, but the CG stuff on top of them, I, yeah. I, that's what kind of killed it for me. So uh, Susan and I have a really good couples costume that I think you both are going to really enjoy, but I won't spoil oh, it. And we're going to have to stay tuned to your socials. What's your, uh, what, are, what are some of your socials if you want our listeners to follow you? Oh, sure, you? yeah. Um, a Twitter, I'm at DWCaffrey. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm on Instagram, but I took it off my phone. I felt like I was going on it too much. So I, I love I, Instagram. Yeah. I know I did too. I actually feel like it's the most um I, I feel like it's the, like the most innocent of the social media yeah, uh, channels. It's, it's the happiest. Yeah. Yeah, it's the happiest. But I was like just I feel like I was just on it all the time. Uh and I even posting shit, just like looking at people's stuff and, and watching stories and all that. So I, t- I took it off just for a little bit. But uh but if um I think that is also 
Is my Instagram? My, I think my Instagram is also. I DW. think it's DW Caprio. Yeah. Yeah, and if, follow me if, uh, if I don't follow you back right now. It's it's because hey, I'm taking a little break, but uh, da- Daddy will be back. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I'm right. just uh, my name on Twitter, which I love Twitter. That's my cesspool. All negativity, but I, I specifically try not to do negative tweets. Yeah, just I, I just don't wanna... retweet shit. That's, yeah, I just that's... retweet comedian yeah. jokes. But Dan Flieger at Twitter, and then Danny PFL on Instagram, and nice. post the occasional yeah. thing. But we'll also be participating in the uh, horror movies coming up this yeah, month. Yeah, you so got some good ones. I realized the other day that all four of my films are foreign. Oh yeah, that's interesting. But I didn't do you that know, on purpose. I feel like I should put it back on my phone because we're doing that right now, and I want to like see all the posts and stuff. Maybe maybe I should do that. They're a lot of fun. I mean, you could kind of comment know, with yeah. some of the people. I mean, like a lot of these are really like eliciting responses from our our listeners when they're just like commenting, like, "Oh, I remember this," and it's fun. Yeah, it's fun seeing their like some of the the demographics we have where they could be like, "I remember seeing this in theaters and wanting his computer and uh, and stuff like that." So it's 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 cute. It's fun. Yeah. I, it's it's a good way to engage with. And we love engaging with you, uh, all listeners and. You can engage with me at uh, at Michael Rothman on Twitter, um, or at uh, at or Blue Seattle on Instagram, which is <laughs> make I sure always, you use the app. Yeah, which is, please do. Um, but uh, otherwise, follow us on Losers Club Pod and uh, for all updates. And we got a lot of them coming because uh, we are still hiking through long days. And pleasant, pleasant nights. Oh, yeah, that was, we'll get it one day. We'll get it one day. Yeah, I know. I never know if I should do it because I'm on the other end. So yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, well, I'm going to pin that all on Caffrey. That was his screw up. I'm looking right at Mike <laughs> and he's like conducting me and I'm just like, yeah. what? What? what is that? <laughs> all right. Should we try it? Nah, fuck it. Let's just go. Let's, to the no, grass. let's do it. Let's do all it. Right, you want to do it one more Ready? time? One, two, two three. Long, long days, days and pleasant nights. nights. I think it's like scream when you know there's like the delay. It's like, ah, they've got the 30-second delay. I think there's like a two-second delay here with you, Caffrey. So maybe yeah. you should lead it off. Okay, here we go. All right. One. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there really a delay? I, I, I think there is that. a delay a little bit, but go for it. One, two, three. Long, Long days. days. Pleasant <laughs> nights. Whatever. Long okay, days, pleasant like- nights. Take care. <laughs> All right, I'm just not going to do it anymore. You, I'll let the in-person people do it, so... Longest pleasant nights. There we go. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. But you know you want somebody to treat you Consequence Podcast Network.